This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. Inside of two months from now, the Frogs will have already played two games. We are excited to get into some TCU football tonight. We're going to talk about recruiting. We're here on the eve of Big 12 Media Days. We're going to talk about that and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, men, as always, I have with me Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern. Fellas, how are you doing this evening? Good. Good. We've got so many rain clouds in this area, and I haven't got one drop of it, so I'm I'm kind of mad about that. For all the uh, listeners in the DFW area, you getting rain? I'm I'm envious of you. I'm jealous. Out there, I got in, a little uh, scenic Azel, scenic Alito. It's hotter than the ranges of hell, as they would say. <laughs> well, it was 84 here today in suburban Chicago, and my wife's got a fire pit going out there. So when we're done here, I'm going to go out and. Uh, Enjoy the sunset, enjoy the fire pit, and we got some rain this last weekend, so we're we're doing all right. But it's not so like- humid. I, I couldn't answer my phone. I was outside, and you know, you swipe it. And it's so humid, it wouldn't it wouldn't read my finger. Conversations getting on your screen. Yeah, is that bad? Well, I've oh, got, you need to- boys, I, I don't know if I've said this, but I've, I'm in the process of building a pool, and uh, not not oh. me myself. I, I know I'm. Uh, I, I, I'm not going out there and digging myself with shovels and, and everything else. Someone is building a pool for me, and I'm thinking I'm about two weeks away. And uh, one day we'll have a, a frog cast get together. Talk. Well, I was going to say football we, and uh, and uh, live it up in the pool. Well, I thought we could record a, an episode in the hot tub there, and you know we could have some people bring us a couple of cold beverages and. You listen to everybody splash and uh, have a good time in the pool. I'd be all for that. They want to make a drive out to the country. Come on. <laughs> we could live stream it. That, we would lose viewership if you saw me sitting in the hot tub. I can guarantee <laughs> you that. Uh, I have some other candidates that would just kill the show, but it, I w- we would just lose viewership if I was sitting there in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a busy couple of weeks here. been a busy week for the Frogs. We've had a couple new players that the Frogs have picked up, Jeremy. One um, in a traditional way out there where Daniel's at in Alito. Another in a rather non-traditional way right out of the student body. So let's start with Colt Ellison, big defensive end, high three star out of Alito, powerhouse in the western suburbs. Tell us a little bit about his recruitment and how he ended up pulling the trigger to join the class of 19. Yeah, this was big. I mean, Colt was one of their top targets uh, all throughout this recruiting cycle. I mean, they um, obviously targeted him very early on, uh, offered him pretty early, and it's great to get a kid from a local program like Alito. You, You keep that pipeline going. He's joining his teammate and good friend Wyatt Harris. Uh, both those guys are obviously committed to TCU, but as far as defensive ends go, he was, he was a top priority for them. If you look at his highlight film, he's got a very high motor gets to the quarterback, uh, really good. Uh, he he's had, I think around 20 sacks the last two years combined and just a ton of tackles, but he's very athletic. He's got great size, six, three, almost six, four, two forty. I think he'll play around the 250 range in college and and uh, make a lot of plays and he's coming in to a position that was a huge need for this class they're graduating three guys or ben's 
gone after this season. Uh, Michael Epley's gone after this season, and LJ Collier is graduating. So they're they're going to have to fill three spots along the defensive line just at defensive end. And uh, Colt saw that and saw the saw the chance to come in and have the opportunity to play very early in his career. And it's just a, another huge pickup. But this was a long time coming. I mean, he he was very high on TCU. Uh, for a long time, I think Ole Miss gave them a little bit of a scare. He went down there and had a really good time. But in talking with people that I know uh, close to him and just people that I've, I talk to on a daily basis uh, through my sources, TCU always felt really good about it. And, and this commitment actually happened <laughs> several weeks ago. And I've just kind of held on to the story until he decided to make it public. But this was uh, – one of those situations where he knew, uh, it, it, like I said, when we discussed the, had the podcast after his official visit, it was one of those deals where the family just needed to come in and, and see everything and, and really just have the chance for the coaches to sell mom and dad on this. And, and that's what they did. And coach staying close to home and frog fans and Bearcat fans are happy. Now, like a lot of highly rated kids in, from the state of Texas, they're going to get some interest from programs across the country because everybody wants to come down to Lone Star State and look for highly rated kids and maybe even underdeveloped kids. You know, the Frogs beat out Washington, beat out Notre Dame. You mentioned Old Miss. What is it that you think that made Colt want to stay here in, in Texas? Because, you know, uh, Notre Dame's a great program. Sure. You know, Washington has, has made the playoff, and TCU has not. And Chris Peterson – you know, we had some rival games, but I, I think we can all acknowledge he's a he's a top flight coach. What what did the program do to sell him on basically getting on I thirty, driving twenty minutes, and coming to play football? Yeah, and and Penn State's another one, Jeff, that he had a pretty high interest in. That's a prominent program, but uh, it it just goes back to family. Yeah, his his entire family is very close. Um, he's close with the sisters, obviously close with his mom and dad. His grandmother actually went to TCU, and it was kind of funny because he was telling me the story about it. He was telling me how his mom, his grandmother really wanted him to go to TCU, and he said it was so long ago that she went. The, T- the football team wasn't very good, obviously, and all of us remember uh, <laughs> the, the prominence didn't return to TCU really until Coach P got back and you know <laughs> came into the picture. That, it was it was a long stretch she, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties for TCU football. I was going to say, it could have been any time between 1960 and 1997. Yeah, yeah. He never <laughs> told me exactly what year she went there, but that was big to him. Uh, he, he's really close with his family, and he always liked TCU. And and like I said a few podcasts uh, back, it's just one of those situations where sometimes the, the best fit is only 30 minutes down the road or 20 minutes down the road, however long it is. And you don't have to go – several states away to find a good fit for you. And uh, that's really what had to happen with uh, his parents and just, and just realizing that uh, TCU was the best place for him to be. And, and I think he always kind of wanted to go to TCU just in talking with him uh, several times over this process. And I know he, uh, he also told me not only did, did Wyatt constantly recruit him, obviously West did too. And, and Hunter Harris, and really the the friends in Alito that aren't even going to TCU, they want they all wanted him to stay close and, and have a chance to uh, place close to play close to home and play for TCU because they all knew that he could make a pretty good impact over there. So all of that was uh, relative in his decision. And it's it's surely benefiting TCU right now. 
Yeah, I know this is what you say after a kid commits, but just go watch his tape. That is one of the best defensive ends in the state of Texas. One of the, I think he's probably one of the top 10, 15 defensive ends in the country. And I think he's a guy that's going to be well-suited to the college yeah. game. Uh, he kind of reminds me of a thicker Matt Boson yeah. and that he's not afraid to get up the field. He's not going to stop. A tackle that pushes him twice is going to have to push him a sure. third time. And that's one of the things I like about watching him because, you know, everybody says on our board, just go watch that first play. Just go watch that second play. Cole Ellison, is, he is a football player, and, and he is a Texan. And I know that sounds a little cliche, but I really like watching him play because, my goodness, he is uh, – I think he's going to look great in the purple and black, and I think he's going to end up being, you know, being on the starting lineup by his sophomore year, and I'm pretty sure he'll be getting reps. He'll have a chance. And the first time I ever saw Colt in person uh, was prior to his junior season. It was at the Prime 21 camp, which is actually the camp that Deion Sanders puts on with Under Armour. And they invite uh, basically some of the top underclassmen in the country, uh, certainly in Texas. But uh, some of those kids come from as far away as Oregon or Florida, and they come down and, and they go to this one-day camp that's put on by Deion Sanders and, and a bunch of other uh, elite NFL, ex-NFL players. And, and Colt was actually not working as a defensive end. This is a camp that is designed for skill positions, uh, quarterbacks, receivers, cornerbacks, safeties linebackers running backs and Colt was actually out there working as a linebacker and he moved really well so just by seeing him play linebacker and move well in space just let me know he's going to be a monster off the edge and this year when he played defensive end for Lido I think he had almost 14 sacks so uh, just think of speed for his game I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily think that uh, if if they don't watch the film they see a 6'4 240 pound uh, white kid that probably don't think is going to be fast, but he's he's really athletic, and uh, they should be very excited. TC fans should be very excited that they have him in the fold. Yeah, just going off the numbers on on the twenty four seven side, his composite is he's the three hundred ninety ninth ranked player nationally, the thirtieth ranked uh, weekend uh, weak side defensive end, and the forty sixth ranked player in the state of Texas. I think after a good senior season, that's going to go up. And more importantly, I, you just can see how he was going to fit right into the four two five and be able to slide right in there and and, and make a contribution pretty early in can my I, opinion. I want to so, say really glad to. I want to say Go something ahead. about the two Alito uh, boys real quick though. When when you look at the rankings and stuff, that that is something that genuinely does not matter to either Colt or Wyatt because I, and I think I've mentioned this before. I think I've told the story before that those guys wanted them both to come out to. Uh, the opening regionals and compete and really have a chance, especially Colt to have a chance to get an invite to the opening finals. And they would rather go fishing or play golf. I mean, they literally did not care about that kind of stuff and uh, didn't, didn't see any benefit of them going out there, possibly getting hurt uh, for what to, to be ranked maybe a little bit higher. They all, they both knew they had college scholarships they were going to go play college football, so they didn't. They didn't want to go to those things. I love those events because I get to see a lot of players, and I think it's good for pro, uh, players to go out there and compete against some of the nation's best. But it was pretty cool because Colt and Wyatt didn't get caught up in that process, and they're just like, "Hey, we're going to go play college football regardless." So we don't really see the need to go out there and compete with those guys. You know, in, in closing here, you mentioned when he got back from his Notre Dame visit, he obviously was. Um, he was impressed. It's a great school. They've got a great environment there. But South Bend is different than yeah. Alito. Yeah. 
And you can you can get in your car and in 30 minutes be at a be hunting and fishing out of Fort Worth, but uh, you know that's not quite the same culture it, in it South varied. Bend. The the people I spoke with about that and even cold, it was it was just really really a different culture. And it, believe it or not, the first guy to even put a crystal ball in for Colt going to TCU was Tom Loy, uh, my colleague that works for uh, the Notre Dame site, because he obviously has good connections up there. And, and whether Colt was saying it on the visit or telling people that he just didn't feel like he fit in up there, it says something when a kid, when a, when a, when a reporter that covers a specific team immediately puts a crystal ball in basically the day the kid leaves from a official visit. So um, that kind of tells you, you know, he, he obviously liked Notre Dame. It's got a storied uh, tradition, but sometimes you just don't fit in and into some places. And obviously he felt that way about Notre Dame. Well, good for that writer. Well, good for that writer. He's just not selling subscriptions. He's trying to tell the truth. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, let's flip over. Let's flip over. We had another uh, addition to the football team right out of the student body, more specifically right off the track team. Darian Flowers, a name if you followed recruiting for a while, like some of us have, should be familiar to you. Teammate of Tony James there in Arlington. He is now coming to play his senior year for TCU. Hasn't played football in, uh, I think, since 2014. Tell us a little bit about what he's going to contribute, how this story unfolded, and um this, this is just wild. I'm really curious about this and this backstory. This podcast gives you a chance to talk a little bit more than maybe than you can write. Tell us a little bit about the backstory about Harry, how Darian Flowers decided. I'm going to correct you on one thing. He was actually an opponent of Tony James oh. and Nico Small. Uh, the, they, a, were, they were – Oh, uh, Nico Small yeah. and Tony James yeah. played together. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Darian Bowie. was at Sam Houston. Um, but Darian was, Darian was kind Sam of an Houston. unknown uh, really until late in his junior year when he started to – put out some good track times people started to take notice and I think on the 24 7 profile he only shows two offers but I know the kid ended up getting several offers throughout the process um and 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 some of those were some pretty decent offers but TCU got on him Kenny Perry was still at uh TCU and the the coach over there uh they they just have a great relationship Anthony Chris has a great relationship with the TCU coaches. So once TCU came in, it, you knew TCU was going to get them, especially with Kenny Perry being an Arlington guy. But uh, when he got to TCU, obviously he just wanted to pursue track. He kept getting better at track. His senior year, I believe he finished third in the 200 at the state, uh, 5A, uh, class 5A state meet in the 200. I think he ran a 21.1, somewhere in that neighborhood, a really, really fast time. So at that point, you start to see that the kid not only is going to play football, but run track in college. But when he got to TCU, he fell more in love with the track side than he did the football side. Because honestly speaking, and I'm not trying to talk bad about Darian at all as a player, but I always felt that he was more in the high school level, he was more of a, a track guy playing football, not a football guy that just ran track. You know what I mean? You, you know the difference between the two. And so, and so yeah. that's as a, as a receiver, I saw that, but he was very, very explosive. I mean, listen, I'm not going to downgrade the kid too much. He was very explosive with the football in his hands. I know he did play some defensive back over at Sam Houston. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of responses uh, with, with people asking, why, why would they, why would they take this chance? Who cares how fast he is? 
there's a reason behind all of it. I mean, Gary Patterson is not going to say, well, you run fast and I think you're going to be a great corner because Gary Patterson will be the first one to tell you, you can come out to my camps and you can run a four, four forty and be the fastest kid at the camp. But when the game film is on and you put the pads on and you don't know what you're doing, that four, four quickly can become a four, seven and you're not a good football player. And on the flip side, he says the same thing. I've seen kids run four sevens that when the film comes on and you put them in pads and you put them in a defensive scheme or offensive scheme and they know what they're doing, they turn into four, 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 five kids on the field. And so there's a reason that Coach Patterson is even letting Flowers come back. It's not only for his athleticism. There had to be something that he saw somewhere that lets him see that Darian can flip his hips. He can turn side to side pretty good or players are telling him, Hey coach, Darian's covering the heck out of Jalen Rager. You know, I'm, I'm just speaking hypothetically here, but there was some reason that, that he let Darian come play football and Darian wanted to come. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't TC, the, the football staff reaching out to Daryl Anderson and saying, Hey, we'd really like flowers to come because we need some depth at corner. Darian had wanted to come. He almost came back last year, but, ended up sticking to track. So this year it was a decision really between him and uh, Kima Sivaran, the, the kid from uh, Texas A&M that was transferring. And so once Kima decided that TCU wasn't going to be a fit for him, Coach Patterson has allowed Darian to join the football team. It's only going to be for a year. He's going to be one of the fastest guys on the team, if not the fastest. And like I said, there's all. Yeah, exactly. Speed. So there's obviously something. There's obviously something that that they've seen through a summer workout, um, through word of mouth. They're not just going to let a kid come on there. And and, and plus, guys, he's got to come in and prove his worth. I mean, he's 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 not going to come in and, and be a starter right off the bat. He's not going to come in and beat out Jeff Gladney or Tony James or Julius Lewis. He's not going to come in and do that. But if he can come in and add some sort of depth and maybe return kicks. That, what's, what's the issue? There's not an issue. The kid. Well, when you get to, when you get to this point in the season, when you're not going to be taking on recruits and you got a roster spot and it's a one year scholarship, yeah. why not? Exactly. So there's really, they're, they're, yeah. they weren't going to take on a junior college kid. There was no junior college guys out there. Um, and, and really Kima was the guy that they were targeting for that, for that position, because if they would have got him, he could have given them two years and he was actually big enough to where he could have played safety as well. But Darius just he's, he's simply going to add depth to depth to the position and he's going to give them another speed guy, possibly in the return game. He returned kicks and, and punts at Sam Houston. So I know he can do it at the collegiate level, but there's no, there's no harm in, in letting him come out and uh, play some football. You, you recruited him in the first place for a reason. He was obviously a good football player. He hasn't lost any speed. He's was a all American his freshman year. I mean, he's and he's and he's ran, I believe, a twenty point six nine two hundred. I mean, I don't care who you are, that's fast, and that does make you a star, Killer Frogs. I'm sorry, wow. that does make you a star when you run a twenty point six in the two hundred. So stick it, uh, yeah, stick it, <laughs> stick it. Uh, but that's takes. that's the that's the big thing. I mean, they they saw no problem in letting him come back and uh, at least play around for a year and add some depth and 
let the kid play some football. Well, I think that's going to be a great addition, and I'll be curious to see what he does, especially that first game against Southern. As I said, it's less than two months away on September 1st. It'll be really interesting to see if they got him back there returning kicks, hopefully get him in there to get some reps because we just know you need depth, and we, we need depth at, at cornerback. So if he, can, if he can offer that, so be it. Let's give it a shot. It's, you got a kid that's fast, that has elite speed, that is star speed, uh, sitting on, sitting on, sitting at the blue. Might as well bring him in on onto the football field right. and see what happens. If it doesn't work, we weren't going to utilize. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. It's a spot that wasn't going to be filled anyway. And if it works, that's just gravy. And you never know what he might be able to do in a in a tight moment in an unexpected game in an unexpected moment in a tight game. I I'm glad he did it. That's 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 how TCU is able to win. They're able to kind of tie some things together at the edge to get contributors in a way that maybe other programs haven't or haven't been creative enough. And it says something about him that he sought it out. He wanted to do this. Let's give him a shot. It's not going to come at any cost to us. It's not going to come at any cost to the program. So glad to see him get this chance. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears here. We are less than a week away from Big 12 Media Days. Uh, Jeremy, you've been out there uh, to Big 12 Media Days off and on for years. Last year, they they shifted from the hotel in downtown Dallas to uh, the star out there in Frisco. I guess we call it Jerry World Jr. is what I would call it. What's it like doing going to Big 12 Media Days up there at the Star? What's the whole environment like? We're going to ask some specific questions here about Big 12 Media Days. But just what do you, what's it like going in and taking in that environment? It's pretty cool. I love it being up there because, number one, I hate driving into downtown situations because I hate looking for parking. I mean, that's my pet peeve, <laughs> traffic and looking for parking spots in downtown areas are my two biggest pet peeves when I'm behind the wheel. Uh, so I love going up to Frisco. It's easy access. You you run into a little traffic, but you get out there early enough to where the traffic isn't too bad. And it's just sprawled out. I mean, you're, you're inside uh, the star and – You've got tables. It's all on the football field. And you're talking about 120 yards of space. I mean, you're, you're, in the biggest, you're in the biggest ballroom, so to speak, that you can be in. When you're going to these hotels, you're just in a, you're in a ballroom, basically, and, uh, or a conference room. And, and for the media that work this thing, it's always real congested. But over there at the Star, it was – I mean, it was awesome, man. You had all kinds of areas. You want to go shoot some video somewhere, man, you can walk 25 yards away and you could be in a nice, quiet spot and not hearing anything. And you got a, a chance to just maneuver around wherever you wanted to. It wasn't tied. The radio rolls uh, really cool. I mean, it's not congested at all. Uh, but it's – that's the thing. Jerry, Jerry world, he, Jerry built that thing for a reason. And, and we're all seeing the perks of it right now. I mean, just a week ago, you had the opening that moved from Oregon down to Dallas, had the nation's top 2019 recruits all in town. And then obviously with the big 12 media days, and I hope it always stays up there just because I love the, the easy access for it. Well, I'm, it was very considerate of them to move that up there for you. I appreciate them doing that. I yeah, bet, I, I, did, bet, I, I put in the request. I yeah, bet Bowlesby sure. was sitting out there in Las Colinas where they're hanging the new drywall at the McDonald's and said, you know what? Let's move it out there to Jerry. Let's move it out there to the star so Jeremy Clark doesn't have to drive around downtown Dallas and relive the JFK killing over and over. I'm glad he did that. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> well, the Omni's really nice. The Omni, uh, I'm, like I said, the Omni's really nice hotel, but man, just the traffic just getting into downtown. Dallas, then you have to pay for parking spot. That's free parking over there at the star. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy because it, 
you look at Frisco now, Jeff, I don't know when the last time you saw what Frisco looks like, but oh. my gosh, man, it's not, it's not even, not even nothing compared to what it used to look like. And, and honestly, I'm shocked that the Rangers are even building the new ballpark in Arlington because I thought Frisco was just going to money whip the Rangers, do whatever they had to do to get it up there because that's really going to become the mecca of every sport you could think of in the DFW area. I mean, Frisco is going to be where it's at all except the Rangers and Mavericks basically. Heck they had the, they have bowl game up there this last year. SMU got smoked, yeah. but they had a bowl game up there. So yeah, that's the, 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 the epicenter of DFW has moved North. That's just, un, you know, undeniable. It's Plano. It is, it is Frisco and the sports center is, is Frisco. It's all heading that way. So Glad talking big- about a town that had 6,000 people 20 years ago, 22 years ago, and now it's like 170,000 people. They can't build high schools and football fields fast enough. I love it. <laughs> right. Well, let's let's uh, let's take a shot in the dark here. On we're going to get some predictions on the Big Twelve. You know the the media days will come out with their media poll at the end. They'll have their media poll of who's going to be ranked, who's going to be rated where, who's going to be ranked uh, in 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 terms of season projections, players of the year, and things like that. Daniel, let's just go ahead and start with you. Uh, first question: the media. You know the beloved media. Where do you think the Big Twelve media is going to rank TCU when that final poll, when that uh, preseason poll comes out at Big Twelve Media Days? Where do you think the talking heads are going to place the frogs? Probably fourth, behind. Um, it'll be kind of half and half between Oklahoma and people who think Texas will be number one. <clears throat> so those will be one and two, and then. Um, for some reason, West Virginia is getting all this love, and I don't know. I'm just not that impressed. And then I think TCU, and then Baylor will be tied for last with Kansas. I, I affirm almost all of that. I think TCU is probably going to be third. I think it'll be Oklahoma, West Virginia, TCU, Texas. But I think Texas will probably have a lot of second-place votes, but there'll be enough uh, sane people that recognize that you know they were one. They were Will Greer injury away from maybe even missing a bowl. So, I, I think Texas will probably be fourth, TCU third, West Virginia second, and Oklahoma one. Jeremy, you posted it on the board. Where do you think? What do you think the media is going to vote in terms of uh, TCU? I think they'll just like Daniel said. I think they'll have them fourth. I think OU will be the uh, preseason number one. I mean, they've got to replace Baker Mayfield and and uh, Mark Andrews at tied in, but they still got Rodney Anderson, Trey Sermon's coming back for running backs. Those are two of the best running backs in the Big 12. They've got some other offensive line that are coming back, got some good receivers coming back, defense. So they're going to be number one. Uh, West Virginia, I think, kind of what Daniel said, they've got some good weapons coming back on offense, and the, the schedule kind of favors them, uh, to be honest. I mean, they've got a road game at Texas, which will be kind of tough for them, and uh, they've got TCU at home. They've got Oklahoma at home. Oklahoma State's on the road, but I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be very good. So I could kind of see why um, some of those some of those media guys are going to predict West Virginia to be pretty good. Plus, they've got some good def- defensive guys coming back. And Will Greer. I mean, a lot of a lot of the uh, the preseason polls or predictions are kind of predicated off the the returning quarterbacks and. Will Greer is by far the the best returning quarterback in the conference, so I think that's why teams are gonna they're gonna probably be number two, Texas number three, TCU four, Oklahoma State. I think will still be good. I just don't know if they're gonna be 
up there in the top four, but I bet the media predicts them to be five and Iowa State six, Kansas State seven, Baylor eight, Texas Tech nine, and Kansas ten. That's my prediction. Not not my prediction. That's my pre- that's that's oh, you, my prediction for the Big Twelve media. Oh, you really now. think Kansas? For me, I think I, for for me, I think yeah. For you, what OU's do you got? going to be the top school. I think TCU is anywhere between the two to four range. I think they could get as high as number two. Um, I think Oklahoma State is going to be a little bit better. I had them at three and three in the uh, post that I made earlier, but I think they'll pl- probably be four behind West Virginia. I'm not as going to be as high on Texas until I see them actually do something. They do have some good guys coming back, but I'm not going to make my predictions based off a bunch of four and five stars because if I was to do that, they would be in the top 10 every year. So you're, if, you, if you're just basing it off recruiting rankings instead of actual um, coaching and, and, and player ability, then you, you, you can't predict them much higher than, than five right now. I mean, there's there's just nothing that they've – proven and i think even longhorn fans will tell you that now do they have a chance to move up that yes yeah i mean that i i can see them having a decent year having a having an eight nine win type season so don't count out texas but yeah i think baylor is going to surprise some people i think they could beat texas tech i think they could beat kansas state and I obviously think they could beat kansas and it might be a toss-up game with iowa state so i i, I don't think baylor as much as Daniel would love to see it, they're definitely not going to go on 12. They're not going to go one and 11. And like Jeremiah had posted on the board and he and I are in agreement with this, that uh, they, they really have got a, a good young quarterback in Charlie Brewer that had a, a pretty decent year last year. And if you look up and down their roster, they have a ton of young players that are only going to get better. So I think they'll sneak up on some people this year. Don't think they'll go bowling yet, but they'll win some games. What I bet about they you, lose to UTSA. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Uh, do you think that uh, Daniel? What do you think? What, what's your prediction for the for the Big Twelve? Where are the frogs going to be, and maybe some of the other auxiliary pieces around it? Uh, probably Oklahoma one, TCU two, um, and then from there, I don't, it, I don't even care because, uh, yeah, I, but I don't, I don't. It's like Jeremy said, a lot of it's based on, you know, returning quarterbacks. And um, in fact, just yesterday I, I turned on um, last year's game against Tech with Sean Robinson. And, um, you know, there's a lot. So he's not like a returning quarterback, but he did play last year and he played pretty well. And, you know, 40 mile an hour wind. And I thought, um, I don't know. I mean, he they could light it up. And I it, it, things have been doing nothing but getting better and better. Uh, for TCU, so we'll see. But um, unfortunately, uh, Baylor isn't getting worse and worse. Uh, <laughs> that's really the only two things I care about in life. Um, that's, that sounds like a Joel, rather, that's a Joel Osteen. Would you rather have Would you rather have TCU win the Big Twelve championship or Baylor finish zero and twelve? Man. Uh, well, can it not both happen in the same season? Nope. You gotta you gotta pick one. <laughs> um dang. That's really tough. You always, you always want here, what's best for your team, Daniel. 
<laughs> I know, but I'm very petty. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> hey, at least you admit it, because right now everyone's going, man, this dude's a freaking idiot. Come on. But now, now to, come I, to, your, here, to come to your defense, Daniel, you never forget a 12-0 and year, a 12 and 0 year, but if the Frogs didn't win the Big 12 that year, they could very well come back and win it the next year. So yeah. that yeah, I, I, mean, I can see how you can make a case for that. If you go one and eleven, and then like this year they go zero and twelve, that program is toast. If TCU wins uh, ten games this this season, you know doesn't win the championship, you know that's still a, a really good season. They can continue to, to to grow. Baylor just keeps digging themselves deeper and deeper into a hole to where they can't get out of, and it's back to you know putting tarps on the end zone and you know we're just the way the way it should be. Uh, Let me ask you this. You want TCU to win games, right? Yes. You want them to win a lot of games. Yes. Okay. You would want them in double-digit wins every year, correct? Yeah. Okay. Hypothetically, Daniel, (laughs) hypothetically, this would never happen, but you can't use that as a reason. You have to answer this question. If TCU was to go 1-11 and and Baylor went – 11-1, 11-1, and one, but TCU's one win of the year was against Baylor, would you be happy? No. No, no. Exactly right. I'll, I'll answer that because they talk about how, how proud they are that they kept us out of the playoff, not that they missed the playoff in 2014. That's their highlight is that they kept us out of the playoff rather than that they shouldn't have dropped the game against West Virginia. So that's a yep, really that- easy, really easy for me. So that tells me that you would rather have TCU go 12 and 0 instead of Baylor going 0 and 12. See, I had to figure out what kind of fan you were, and now I know that it matters. The TCU wins matter the most to you instead of the Baylor losses. Okay, it, I guess it probably does, but just it's slightly more, only slightly. All right. Now, a few years ago, this, this wasn't the same. I didn't hate Baylor that much till 2014. Then the hate just went off the rails. The hashtag CAB. <laughs> CAP. Yeah. yeah. As Trey called it, convict Art Bryles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, to kind of wrap it back up here for my prediction of, of, of the Big Get 12. Get us back I'm on the go, tracks, Jeff. I will. I will keep us back on topic here, Professor. I'm going to go Oklahoma 1, TCU 2, Texas 3, Oklahoma State 4, and then maybe a tie between K-State and West Virginia. I'm going to go ahead and just – I'm going to throw some kerosene on this West Virginia fire – they might start strong. You know, they got Tennessee week one. They might get um, some pop for that game, even though Tennessee is a dumpster fire. They do have a really good NC State uh, team week three. But um, if they win that, that, that'll tell us something. But in my theory, in my opinion, West Virginia does not finish strong. And, it, and the later you get in the year, the more that schedule kind of beats you down of having to basically fly to DFW every other weekend. And so they close. Their November is Texas, uh, TCU, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. If they go one and three in that final four, I'll be shocked. I think the wheels are going to kind of come off at the end of the year. They have a great starting 22, and after that, their depth is really questionable, really questionable. And I I, I think West Virginia might start strong, but they're not going to finish strong. So count me as one that is not buying the Will Will Greer hype. So 
that is my um, unbiased, totally informed, objective opinion of of West Virginia. So I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna live up to the hype. I think the frogs are gonna kind of be where they were last year. I think they're gonna be second in the Big Twelve, and I think they're gonna get yeah. the Big Twelve title game again. So the schedule sets up good. I mean, that's if you look at TCU's schedule, the 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 two toughest games that they have, just based off having to go on the road, is is Texas and West Virginia. I mean, they only yeah. leave the state twice. Twice. And so the schedule fits perfectly for them. They've got OU at home. They've got Oklahoma State at home. Baylor's right down the road. They're going to try. TCU fans are going to travel well to Baylor and Texas. They're going to mm-hmm. travel well to Kansas. Kansas is an easy trip, which I think TCU fans really need to go up to Kansas because for some of oh. godly reason they they always struggle in Lawrence for whatever reason it is they always struggle up there, um, mm-hmm. but. But the schedule sets up perfect for TCU. This is this is a lot like it was in 2014 when they got all those good games at home. And so yes. it's it's it, it's ten, setting up good for them if they could just take care of business. Ten ten games in the state of Texas, and the only time they basically leave the state. I, mean, I don't want to jinx it. Is is for that late season game at West Virginia? I know they go to Kansas, right. but yeah, that sets up very very well for the Horn Frogs. So. What good news is, uh, in less than two months, we'll see what's going on. Um, one last uh, talk about the one last comment on the um, Big Twelve Media Days and the preview. They've got uh, the preseason awards that they kind of hand out. Who do you think is going to be preseason offensive player of the year? Because I, I mean, Will Greer is the easy answer. If you can't say Will Greer, yeah, who's it going to yeah. be? I think Rodney Anderson. I think Rodney okay. Anderson just because the way he played late in the year, he he had two really good games against TCU and, and you're talking about games that were against the conference's best defense. And he really, that game up in Norman, he really put Oklahoma on his shoulders and he carried that game out. That, that was the difference. And you talk to everyone around the program that, that it wasn't, it wasn't Baker Mayfield that really made a difference in that game. It was Rodney Anderson. They couldn't tackle him. I mean, he, he just kept getting six, seven, eight yards every time. And I think, I think if uh, the media is smart, they'll look at that and and look at what kind of player he is coming back. He's going to be on the top team in the conference and he's going to have to run the ball even more this year. They've got Kyler Murray coming in. Kyler's going to be good. In my opinion, he's not going to be as good as Baker. So when you have a quarterback that isn't ready to come in there and set the world on fire, who do you have to rely on? You have to rely on your running back and Rodney Anderson's the best in conference along with Darius Anderson, in my opinion. Plus, he can close your uh, refinance in your house in like twelve days. <laughs> you know, one eight hundred Express. That's right. Oh, that's a man that listens to the ticket and WBAP right there. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the other, if you need to, if you need to get a house quick, go to Kyler Murray. He can give you a cash loan faster than anybody. I mean, he's making more money than his head coach. He's making more money than Baker Mayfield. So yeah, exactly. good, good, good for you, buddy. I mean, the only guys making more money than him are the defensive line at Alabama. So. Ooh. Oh, so, or the 2014 defensive line at Old Miss. So. Ooh. <laughs> All right, a couple other Big 12 topics here. Uh, get a little lighthearted here for a second. Daniel, we talked about Baylor last year in, in their embarrassing season, 1-11. They lost to UTSA last year, who didn't have a football team 10 minutes ago. UTSA 
went to Baylor and won. Now, Baylor makes the return trip down to the Alamo Bowl, and that game is going to be broadcast on not ESPN, not ESPN2, not FS1, not Fox, not uh, ESPNU, but it's going to be on Facebook. (laughs) So my mom can watch it, but it will be... (laughs) What is more embarrassing for Baylor that they lost to, I'm leaving out the Liberty game, that they lost to UTSA last year or that they have to play UTSA on Facebook this year? Well, the most embarrassing thing about Baylor is Baylor, but the most embarrassing thing that's happened or is going to happen is probably losing. Careful. (laughs) What? We got we got some sensors here. We have some uh, some some uh, government sensors here. Forrest Gump, Daniel, when you start talking about Baylor, it's like the box of chocolate line. I don't know what I'm going to get. That's when you start talking Baylor. I don't know what I'm going to get. <laughs> What's going to come out of your mouth? Am I going to have? He's no, got no, an answer no. to the higher ups. To, am I going to have to answer certain emails? No, no. Um, hey, I just want to add this editorial comment. I love that we can joke about Baylor for just being our rival and not all the garbage a year ago or two, three years ago. This is what college sports should be about. So go right ahead. Anyway, it's, it's pretty, um, I mean, that, that's where things are moving. Eventually, you know, games are, you know, NFL games are on Twitter sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the Thursday night games I think were last year. And, um, so it's not horrible, but I mean, I guess they relegated it because that, that game, because, yeah, who the hell's going to watch that? I mean, well, that's, it is, hey, that it is conference, US, conference USA media rights, so that's how they yeah. ended up there. Now, like you said, this is where things are moving. Like, I want, I want all college sports on Amazon Prime. I, I just wish you could buy uh, that they would bundle all uh, Power Five first and second tier and third tier rights onto Amazon Prime, so that I could watch it on my phone or my iPad or my big screen. But at the moment, that that game's going to be on Facebook, so. Hey, that game's going to be packed. Yeah. That UTSA is going to pack out the Alamo Dome for that. I guarantee they, they will. Are. And I bet Baylor. That thing. I, I bet Baylor takes a lot of fans. I bet they get a lot of people because if you're – I mean, where would you rather take a – if you got money in your pocket for one road trip, are you going to Lubbock or are you going to San Antonio? Yeah. That's I, would say, I would say it's an easy <laughs> drive till you have to go through Austin. You could take the, uh, the tollway around it, but that's still bad even sometimes. But you know, That's true. Ba- Baylor, Baylor is it's like when you go out and you have a rough night drinking booze all night, and you want to get rid of that taste the next the next morning. And you, and, you, and you just you were going to censor Daniel, and you're telling us about your hangover. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no. This has been years ago. <laughs> I hey, listen, I only have four drinks a day, so just give me a break here, <laughs> and it's all water. Uh, no, they. It's all water. no. It's it's like going out the night before and you have a bad aftertaste and those fans are ready to throw that mouthwash in and just start the new day. I mean, they're, they're ready to get off the one and 11 season from a year ago. And I don't blame them. Got to be an Abilene Christian first. That's right. Is that? And I I know it goes without saying, but I, I like rule. I think he's a good coach. I don't know if he can, win eight, nine games in the Big 12, but I, I like Matt Rule, and I think he's I think he's a good guy and there's, a good there's coach. There's some good coaches on that staff. I mean, uh, I know Joey McGuire. He was mm-hmm. – when he was at Cedar Hill. And yes. Joey Joey was always good. a friend of TCU. I mean, he you know, he, he respected TCU a heck of a lot. 
And, uh, you know, some of those kids went over to, from Cedar Hill to TCU, but he's got rule did a good job building that staff. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to advocate for Baylor here, but I, I do think they've got, um, the coaches in position and, and some younger players that I think are going to be pretty good to where they can have a successful year. Uh, not, not to where they were um, back three years ago, but that, that I don't know if Baylor's ever going to get back to that, that kind of record or if their, their program's ever going to get to that level again. Um, and, and it, 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 let's hope not. It may have, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it may not happen for 20 years. I mean, just, just look at, the, the lulls you go through in college football, look, as, as you guys, as TCU fans, I mean, you're not old, but some of our older members of our side, they remember the the bad times in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when TCU wasn't. Yeah, yeah and in 90s, 90s. Where TCU wasn't winning a lot of games. Dude, I remember, I remember going to the SMU-TCU game in 97 when TCU is Pat Sullivan's last game, and TCU was winless, and they beat SMU, kept them out of a bowl game, and it was like they won the Big 12 championship. I mean, I, I remember that. Tore goalpost. My, uh, my little claim to fame was I was on the crew that led the charge to the north end zone to rip that goalpost down, and I got to the 10. First of all, I was fat and out of breath, but I got to the 10, and I saw those Fort Worth PD there, and I stopped, and everybody else kept running, and they got maced and beaten down. And then when they finally gave up, I climbed up See? and helped rip the goalpost down. So I was a little, little smarter than the average bear there. Patient man. That bear. religion degree patient was kicking bear. in. So. Waited patiently. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right, real quick, we're going to move through three, three or four more questions here on Big 12. Jeremy, last year Iowa State beat Oklahoma and TCU. A uh, hot take here. What's going to be the biggest upset of 2018 mm, in the Big 12? That's a good one. <sighs> I don't think Kansas is going to upset anyone. I, I I keep going back to it. I I think Baylor. I think Baylor uh, has a great chance to knock off someone, someone good. Um, whether that's Okay. Beaten. I don't think they'll beat TCU, and I don't think they'll beat Oklahoma. But I, I can see them. Uh, uh, an upset win for them would be going on the road and beating West Virginia. I think um, that would be a yeah. good win for their program for this year. I c- if if things get rough, I could see them beating Oklahoma State, Baylor. I could see Baylor beating Oklahoma State. I, I, yeah, I could see I could see that too. Because really, it when you talk about upsets in the Big Twelve, because You've got – if you look at last year, you had uh, Oklahoma and TCU and Oklahoma State. Those were really the big three, and it was – what I can't even remember a game last year that was just – I was just dumbfounded by, like, how in the heck did that happen? Because even, even when Iowa State beat Oklahoma, mm-hmm. they still turned out to be pretty good. They did. I mean, they, 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 they crapped the bed late in the season, missed out on a bowl game, but everyone knew that, No, they man, Matt Campbell's doing a great job. No, they, or did they go to a bowl they game? They went to the Liberty Bowl, and they beat Memphis, who was a, who was a pretty salty team last year. That's right. That's right. Last year. That's right. So, yeah, they, yeah. They, lost so, that, I mean, they, they lost one possession game to Oklahoma State on a crazy call. They lost one possession game to West Virginia, and I think the game against K-State was close, too. I mean, they they were in all of yeah. those, and they lost one possession game to Iowa. They lost by one point to Iowa, I think, in double overtime yeah. the opening they, weekend. They were beating Kansas State, and I remember thinking that they went because they finished six and six in the regular season, correct? Because uh, I think I remember watching the Kansas State game, thinking they had it wrapped up, and so I was thinking they were seven and five going to the bowl game. Yeah, but then someone said, "No, Kansas State beat them 
uh, in the end. But they would have done yeah, a lot I mean, better if they got rid of Jacob Park sooner. <laughs> yes, they yeah, would have. I mean, he was, they might have beat Texas beat crazy. Iowa State, and that yeah. was a game that if I think if that game would have been later in the year, it could have been a whole lot different. So. Yeah, but Iowa State beating beating Oklahoma. I mean, it, it it was monumental at the time. Yeah, but I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone really knew how good Iowa State was at that point. No, but if you guys remember, if you guys remember, what were me and Jeremiah talking about after Iowa State beat Oklahoma? We both went on the broadcast and sat there and said, "Watch out for that game up in Ames." Yeah, because Iowa State has every reason to beat TCU. TCU better not go in there sleeping. We were predicting Iowa State to win. Yeah. Well, Iowa State, blah, blah, blah. No, it, they they have a good team. Matt Campbell's a great coach. But, yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to see anything. I don't think you'll see one win turn into uh, a, a, a difference maker for the season like Iowa State beating Oklahoma was. I think it catapulted them into winning other games uh, during the season, gave them the confidence to – know they can go out there and compete but the, the only game i could think of jeff baylor beating west virginia okay just because i know west i know west virginia is going to come in with a lot of hype and it's about basically the midway a little bit past the midway point of the season and i think if west virginia's riding high and baylor's kind of getting their groove together that they can upset them okay one more question here real quick huh? give me a quick answer which of these three is least likely to be a Big 12 Media Days next year? Cliff Kingsbury, David Beatty, or Bill Snyder? Daniel, you want to do that one? I know my opinion. I'll let you – I want to hear yours first. Uh, well, I mean, it could be Snyder for a couple of reasons, you know. Maybe he's sick. He's been sick, yes. As soon as I read that question out loud, I was like, I think I know what Daniel's going to say. <laughs> I'm just saying but it could be. It could be. It, it, that is correct. It could be It could be Snyder and someone else uh, yeah. not there. Uh, but I don't know. Probably Kingsbury. I mean, Kansas, they suck, but what are they going to do? Um, you know, but Tech is going to want to, you know, they're not going to put up with him forever because um i was watching that game like i said god and they they're trash so they also uh, beat texas yeah and well they're trash too so yeah i don't i don't know i'll just go with uh, bill snyder what about you jeremy bill snyder will be, bill snyder if his son gets to be the coach will be gone cuz he wanted to leave this year yeah but there was a big there was a big fight between him and the AD and what, you know, it, it's going to play on another year. Betty will be gone. Jeff Long's now the AD at Kansas. Oh, bring in Bert Bielema. In for a reason. Bring in yeah, Bielema. Yeah, that's what, I, that's, that's what I posted on the board. I think they would bring in Bielema if, if Kansas goes out and lays an egg again. And then I don't think Cliff will be back. Texas Tech's going to go five and seven, maybe six and six. That's not going to be good enough. They want to get back to prominence and, uh, I think, new Texas, opinion, new Texas Tech yeah. coach Seth Luttrell. You know what? That's that's that would be ideal for them because he's hey. done a, a phenomenal job at North Texas. He has, or maybe Kendall Bryles. How come Kansas always has the fattest coaches? Well, if they fired. Get, 
they fired that guy. Um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? He, Mangino. Mangino. Yeah. Mangino's. And then they hired Ken or Turner Gill, and he was terrible. And then they hired Charlie Weiss, and yes. that, just, that just put him in the tank. And they haven't been anything since then. So now they want Bielema, who's trying to be the fattest coach out there. He's yeah. working on it. He's getting there. He'll get there. All right, off off the old Twitter feed. I got a couple of quick questions, Jeremy. Uh, his uh, Gary Patterson ever taken a sophomore to Big Twelve media or to conference media days? Because Sean Robinson is going to represent the team. Uh, I don't. Man, that's a tough question. If I'd have had time, I'd have researched it. But I know that. Um, the youngest player I've ever seen him let talk in front of the media was Ty Summers. And that was during the Alamo bowl uh, a couple years ago when they were playing Oregon. Yeah. Uh, he was a red Ty was a red shirt freshman and he was one of the kids that came in and talked to us after the game, because I, I think part of it was because Ty had a good game. And then part of it was because Ty was a San Antonio native. So uh, I kind of wanted to make it special for him, special for him, get up there and talk. But I don't, but are they, man, are they taking Sean Robinson just because he's the quarterback? Like, and you just how seem to always have a quarterback at media days? No, no, because I don't think uh, – Usually you do. There's There's been a couple years where they didn't have a quarterback. Um, but, no, Sean I, – I think Sean is going to be great. There, there, there's reasons why he takes certain kids. Number one is because they've worked hard and earned the right. They've, they've earned the respect and trust from their teammates and the coaching staff. And maybe above all, uh, well, not above all, because Gary is going to be the deciding factor on who goes. But a, a big part of it is putting the people in front of the microphone that you know aren't going to say something detrimental about the program or go out there and not represent TCU well. And anyone that's talked with Sean, the, the, the kid is just a great, great kid. He is awesome in front of the media. People just gravitate toward him because he's such a friendly presence uh, he, and he's, he's going to be like that. He's going to be like that the next three years of his career. He's, he's just a, he's just a happy dude, man. He's just, he's, he's just a good spirited kid and gets you in a good mood when you talk to him because he's so positive about everything. Well, you figure he's been talking to Greg Tapper for years on Fox sports Southwest on Friday nights and in those playoff games and at Jerry world for the state championship. So he, this isn't the first time that, that uh, cameras have been in microphones have been stuck in his face. So I think it's probably, oh, yeah. he's going he's gonna to be answering questions this year. He goes out and throws five touchdown passes against Ohio state or, uh, you know, beats Oklahoma. He's everybody's going to want to talk to him. So I think this is probably a smart move on Patterson's part. Yeah. One other, and they know, yeah. and they know he's, they know he's going to be smart in front of the media too. So yeah. why not build, why not build up some hype with Sean? Because he's going to be the face of the program and you know, the, the next two, three years. Yeah, that is correct. That came from your friend in mine, uh, yell MK on Twitter, who, who is probably the most active TCU fan on Twitter. Daniel, you say, you know how you have no life at your job because you're always online. Uh, this guy puts us to shame on Twitter. Thanks. Thanks for the question, buddy. One other question. You got 10 seconds to answer it each. Uh, Joe Butner asked, which Big 12 coach would win an arm wrestling tournament comprised of all 10 big, uh, conference coaches? Jeremy. Gary Patterson, man. You ever seen that dude's arms? I have. Dude's got some He's arms. He's got like, humongous forearms, man. That's what you got to have in arm wrestling. Two yeah, years it's, ago? it's about the grip. 
Two years ago, Charlie Strong. Maybe. 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 He's so strong. Oh, that is that is accurate. Mm. That is accurate. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to go with Gundy. He's 50 now. He's over the hill. He's not able to do that. I'll probably go with Patterson, but um, you know Matt Campbell. I bet I bet he gets a little. Uh, I bet he's got some strength in him. He's still a young guy. He's not afraid of the gym. And depending on how many Red Bulls and uh, that uh, Dana, Dana has had, I bet I bet he can hold his own. I bet he punches above his weight. Red Bull and vodka. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he chases his vodka with a Red Bull. So, hey, all right. Who, who would be the first one out? Who would who would be the quickest loss? It's not Snyder. Kingsbury. Snyder. It'd probably be Kingsbury. <laughs> Snyder could figure Snyder. out how to beat Kingsbury. Oh, Snyder! Or, yeah, or Snyder's Herman. smart enough. He's got he's yeah. got the wisdom behind him. Yeah, he knows. He, he's playing the long game. He knows what he's doing. Or yeah, if it's Herman double elimination, even, yeah. Can't even swing would, a hammer. So I would say I would say Herman or, or uh, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln's not very big. No, no. You get the two young guys. You get Lincoln Riley and Matt Campbell. Give me Matt Campbell all day, all day. He's already owns him on the field. Oh, uh, not that we could say that. Um, not that we grounds on which to stand. <laughs> anything else? Uh, anything else on recruiting? Uh, Big Twelve, uh, food, holiday celebrations. Uh, what to do with the rest of the summer? Good shows on Netflix. Before we wrap up, we're going to hit the hour mark here in about three minutes. So, give you guys a chance. Any parting thoughts here as we wrap up this episode of the Frogcast? Yeah, I just started a good show. Um, I've been wanting to watch this for a while. It's called The Sopranos. Mm. Perhaps you've heard of it. No, really, I did start watching it, and but I, we didn't have HBO, and I just came out when I was in high school, so I'm just now getting around to it. Good stuff. I am a <laughs> I'm a I'm a Sopranos Philly, uh, aficionado. I I am addicted. I bet I've watched that thing top to bottom five times. I absolutely love the Sopranos. My economics teacher in high school would not shut up about it. Like everything had to do with the Sopranos. It was hilarious. Uh, that's how well, freaking I- old that is. I know. My wife and I watched The Staircase. If you haven't watched that, it's about oh, a man yeah, that kills people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, kind of crazy. That's something else. Kind of crazy. Hey, do you, want to know, do you want to know about a show that I really want to – that I've watched twice? It's I've seen I've seen two episodes, I guess. Or do you want to Hard know Hard Knocks with Jim Harbaugh? First. Give me one show, and then we'll get to the big stuff. Watch Yellowstone. Good stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. It does look good. And then okay. – if you really want, if you like those two episodes, go back and go on Netflix and watch Wind River. It's a pretty, okay. pretty dang good movie. It's good stuff. Okay. My la- my last plug. It take ten seconds. Go on Netflix. Don't watch any previews. Don't Google it and watch Long Shot. It's a forty minute documentary about a guy um, that's heading to death row, and you will you will never laugh harder about twenty minutes in. It's sad and depressing and hilarious. You're it talking, ends well. You, you're talking about the dude that was at the Dodgers game. Yes, I didn't want to tell anybody what it was about. Don't oh. don't don't give away the the, yeah. the secret to it. Yeah, don't yeah give away I know the what you're talking. Yeah, I watched that. That that was isn't, crazy. And and talk about crazy? the crazy. Yeah, yes. It, it, talk about just the craziest circumstances to get you. Yes. And and the fact that they find out those circumstances, and then you still got the 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 prosecution still trying to say certain things about it. It's just crazy. This crazy. You need to watch that long shot. All right, what do you got for us, Jeremy? Well, I was told tonight that the uh, Newton boys 
well, and I posted this earlier, but I know Arkansas is saying they're supposed to be up on their campus on the 27th, but I've been told by three different people that the Newton trio are going to be on TCU's campus on the 27th. And that's, I've known that for several weeks. I've been posting about it, but um, apparently what they're telling the the coaches is that they're going to be up there. So nice. just be on alert. I don't think there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be, because this, this isn't a, this is a unofficial visit for those guys. They'll come back sometime in the fall for a official visit, but TCU's looking great for all three of those guys. Looking great for Ooh. all three of them. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. If we could land one more offensive lineman and one more D back and add those three, I'd call it a class. Yeah. That would, oh, that would be great. That would I, be great. I was, to, I was told today that um, someone that's, that's pretty good at recruiting coverage that they feel that Taylor Ham. Taylor's good in his own right. I'm, I'm not going to say their name, but, uh, it's an outsider, but they they honestly feel you know we've we've heard a lot about Catalan and and TCU Texas Arkansas and uh, Oklahoma and Clemson you know those schools that are that are in the mix and it's always kind of come back to Texas and TCU and some feel that Texas is leading undoubtedly leading but I was told today by a pretty pretty good individual that I trust that Texas and TCU are even. In his mind. Oh, that's good to know. That is good to know. I would love to lay in Catalan. That would be another great addition to this team. And like you said, I think he could come in and, and start his freshman year. The, the problem, his tape is amazing. The problem with that is, is Catalan's not going to decide anything till January. So you guys got a long time to wait for that one. And that's one of those guys. So, so you don't have to ask me a bunch of times. Is that one that, that they're going to wait on? What if they fill the spot? It, they want Catalan. They understand Catalan's ability. He's the best safety out there, in my opinion. And they know he would fit so well in that TCU defense. So they're going to keep recruiting him hard no matter what. They understand. They they know fully. That it's not one of those situations where they're telling Jalen, hey, Jalen, you know, we know you're deciding in January, but we may have to fill up a safety spot before you decide, and we may not be able to take you. No, Jalen, you take as much sweet time as you dang well please. And we'll be right here waiting mm-hmm. for you. I like the sound of that. Anything else on recruiting that you got for us? Uh, the camp, next camp, final camp of the summer, July 27th. Uh, Max Duggan's going to be in town. He's coming down to uh, just hang out. Obviously, the Newton guys are going to be there. They're not going to work out, I don't think. Uh, a lot of the commits are coming up. And it was one of those situations where they wanted the commits to come up because they all want to see him work out too. Uh, and just, uh, just for giggles, I guess, just to see him work out against one another. So I anticipate a lot of the commits being in town and, and all of them competing. So that, that'll be pretty fun to watch. That sounds good. That That's a, that's the last camp of the year. They only got one more camp. Oh, is that, is that correct? I, yes. One more camp this summer. And I will say the the Caldwell kid that committed to Texas that dropped TCU in the final three, that it 100% that was a complete shock to even the TCU program <laughs> just, just considering the, they hadn't talked to him in yes take 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 take, take that uh 100% they it, it was so funny to even ask about it because the responses I were I was getting was, was just like what 
what are you talking about? And oh, sorry, the kid's tweeting it out. So uh, I don't know if Caldwell just put it in there to make it look good. But I, it, the, as soon as the kid got a Texas offer, everyone that does this knew the kid was going to Texas. So I'm not even sure why he dropped a final three, to be honest. I guess is he kind of like Eric Young when he dropped a final three and didn't leave, didn't put A&M in it. And the next day he commits to A&M. I guess he was just trying to get some attention. I, I don't know. But, you know, kids will be kids. Yeah. That was a little shady. I blame Tom Herman. I do. I blame Mac Brown. Mm, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, fellas, that brings us to a word an hour, three minutes here. So I think we're going to wrap this up. For those of you that made this as far, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. As the season moves closer, we'll be recording every Sunday night. Uh, by the time we get to August, we're going to be pumping this thing out every week, sometimes twice a week during the season, because I cannot wait for TCU Football 2018. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Go and give us a rating and review. It goes a long way to help and drive our, our viewership, our listenership, and it, it makes it's easier to find when people search for us on iTunes. We are we are proud to be the long-running uh, podcast of the T- of TCU Horn Frog football. And uh, your best information on recruiting, what's going on behind the scenes, is right here, as well as some really good Netflix recommendations. If you also um, tell 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 your friends about us, if you find us on Twitter or on Facebook, follow us there. Uh, uh, share our information, share our podcast, share our content. And if you haven't yet, go join Horn Frog Blitz. Our numbers are going up. Jeremy was telling me about some serious growth that we've had in the last year here on 24-7. This is the go-to site. You will not find anywhere else that has better information, more accurate information, no sunshine pumping on this site, of what's going on with TCU recruiting. And, and as our sports programs continue to grow with basketball and with baseball, it's also a great place to gather to talk about all of that. So until we get together again, for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.